You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week. Um, they have been on a podcast with me before, and I really enjoyed my time with them as I did on this one. Two very, very talented women in sports broadcasting. Jamie Little is part of Fox's NASCAR coverage and has been since 2015. She covers Pit Road for the NASCAR Cup Series as well as the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And in addition to that, she's one of the reporters on the uh, Fox Sports 1's coverage of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show and is part of America's Top Dog on A&E. Shannon Spake is the other guest. Um, she joined Fox uh, in July of 2016 and covers a variety of sports, NASCAR college football, the NFL. I think for the purposes of this podcast, for the NASCAR fans listening, you, of course, know her as the host of NASCAR's race coverage, handles all the anchor duties for the NASCAR Cup Series and the NASCAR Xfinity Series. She's uh, the co-host of NASCAR Race Hub, which is the FS1 show, and um, and in addition to that, she uh, has worked for the NFL now for the last couple of years. Um, I really enjoyed my conversation. These two have really, really interesting jobs. I don't talk to a lot of NASCAR uh, broadcasters or reporters, but it's just a very, very unique sport and a very, very unique job compared to some of the other traditional um, sports broadcasters I've talked to. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation a lot. It's Jamie Little and Shannon Spake coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, as I mentioned at the top, Jamie Little uh, joined Fox's NASCAR coverage in 2015 to cover pit road for the NASCAR Cup Series as well as the NASCAR Xfinity Series. She's a reporter on NASCAR Race Day. She's um, uh, part of pretty much most of Fox's race coverage. In addition to this, she's one of the hosts, I think it's host, one of the hosts of America's Top Dog on A&E, and she will also interview, oh, I love this bio, Jamie, award-winning dog owners as part of Fox Sports 1's coverage of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Prior to that, uh, Jamie Little was at ESPN ABC for 13 years where you saw her on their NASCAR coverage, Indy coverage, uh, X Games, and a number of other stuff. I'm glad she is here. Before we talk to her, let us get to Shannon Spake's immense bio. Man, this could take forever, Shannon. I'm going to have to cut this down. Shannon Spake joined Fox in uh, July of 2016 to cover uh, a variety of sports. Obviously, she's got a major presence on NASCAR, but you also see her on college football, college basketball, and now the NFL. Um, in 2019, she was named the host of Fox's NASCAR race coverage, handles all their anchor duties for the NASCAR Cup Series and the NASCAR Xfinity Series, as well as uh, pre-race shows, post-race shows. She is the co-host of NASCAR Race Hub, which is FS1's daily NASCAR show. And then this year, uh, or last year now, since we're in 2020, um, she uh, worked the NFL as a sideline reporter on the team of Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman. Um, prior to joining Fox, Shannon was at ESPN for a very long time, where, again, if you're listening to this podcast, you know her work. She did a lot of sideline stuff for uh, college football and uh, and a number of other um sports uh they will both and this is the reason for this podcast they will both have major roles 
at uh, the Daytona 500, which comes up at the end of this week as we release this podcast. And obviously, they are major, major figures on Fox's NASCAR coverage. And I am uh, pleased to be joined by Jamie Little and Shannon Spake. Welcome back, guys. It's been a while uh, that you were on this podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, last time we had so much fun. We're waiting for the callback. Always appreciate talking to you, Richard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the podcast is over. It's really just your bios, basically, and just your accomplishments. And fantastic job by both of you. Take care. All right. So um, let us start. um, Let us start with you, Jamie. Um, As I said, in terms of introducing some of the stuff you've done, you both, you and Shannon, have both been part of broadcast teams for multiple uh, sports and events, from college football to the NFL, and in your case, even the dog show. Um, but what I'm interested in is from your perspective, what is unique about broadcasting NASCAR versus all the, all the other, um, sort of events and sports you've been part of? I feel like there's so many moving parts, literally that other sports don't necessarily have when you're a sideline reporter and Shannon can speak to this much better than I can. It's more controlled. You kind of have your set storylines and who exactly you want to talk to. And that's basically a handful of people. But in NASCAR, you have so many people that you can talk to, so many different people that maybe going into a race, you had no idea that you were going to want to hear from the crew chief of the 95 car. But because something spectacular happened in the race, that suddenly becomes the big story. So your story can go 40 different ways in any given race. And there's so many things that can happen. And on top of that, you're dealing with, in some cases, life and death. This isn't a dangerous sport. We don't see injuries that often anymore, thankfully. But I think as a reporter, you always have to keep your head, as we say, keep your head on a swivel because this is a dangerous sport and you know that that can happen and that that danger does loom. What about for you, Shannon? How would you answer that? Yeah, I think Jamie, you know, definitely hit on something in terms of like constantly changing. Things are constantly changing. You might go into a race thinking that one guy is a favorite and then all of a sudden, especially at a place like Daytona where where anyone could be running up front at any time. Uh, and I think it's certainly given me a different perspective in terms of doing the NFL. I I don't feel like I, I feel like there are some um, you know some some storylines some some prepackaged things that I head into games with uh, every Sunday, but I'm constantly I'm using those eyes and I know that that the evolution of the game from the sidelines in terms of things that are happening within the game uh, uh, maybe being part of NASCAR and sort of following those storylines has helped prepare me. I'm never sitting down on the NFL sidelines. I'm always running around from one sideline to the next sideline. I think it's given me an opportunity to kind of know which direction um, and where some of those stories might be. But I think, honestly, Richard, one of the biggest things is just the human connection in other sports compared to NASCAR. Once those guys climb in that car, visually, you do not have, I mean, unless they do an in-car camera and they still have those helmets on, you don't get the visual uh, connection that you do in other sports. You know, on the sidelines, uh, the guys come over, they take off their helmets, you see them talking to coaches, you see their reactions, they're interacting interacting with fans, with their teammates. And NASCAR, I think, is extremely difficult because you do not have that personal interaction. You're reliant on the radio uh, and things that you can just see the car doing on the track. Shannon, I want to stick with you and just ask you a question about preparation. When you are, <clears throat> when you are preparing to do... Um, a NASCAR broadcast versus, let's say, and I understand the jobs could be different, sideline versus host, but when you're working on, you know, like a quote-unquote more traditional sport, is your, how, how, if it is different, how is your preparation different 
to prep for a NASCAR broadcast versus prepping for another sport? I, you know, I have lived NASCAR for so long, and I feel like NASCAR does kind of it, it touches on the history of the sport in so many different ways. So in a lot of ways, you almost have to be a historian where in, in sports, other sports that I cover, I feel like it's so in the moment, right? There are certainly those times where you reflect on moments, but it's so in the moment. And, and with NASCAR, it, it's a lot of, uh, you know, who's won the Daytona 500, how many times that they won it, the history of this race, the history of the sport, the history of what this driver has done. And I do feel like there's a lot more of that that I kind of prepare. Now, Jamie will tell you that when she runs around in the, you know, in the infield in the morning and, and she's uh, in the garage and talking to, to crew chiefs and stuff like that, it certainly is more like, hey, how was your car this weekend? Uh, more specific to kind of things that were going on in the weekend. But again, I think um, the biggest thing for me to remember is that I've got, I've got such great support with Larry and Jamie. And those are the guys who can talk about the nuts and bolts. Jamie just got out of the car last year. I've never been inside of a race car. He can talk about what the driver is specifically feeling. And then I'll Obviously, Larry being on top of the pit box for so many years and still has, you know, so many connections and very much, um, the, you know, uh, the pulse of what's going on inside that garage. But for me, it's, it's, it's definitely setting those guys up. And, and you know, they, you hear it all the time, Richard, for the pre, pregame show um, on the NFL. It's like we want people to think like they're coming into us just having a conversation about racing. So to me, I think it's very important to be prepared and, and kind of knowing everything about this race and the drivers and the history and all that stuff so I can make those guys have as much success as possible. All right, Jamie, I want to start. I want both of you to answer this, but I want to start with you because I think people will really find this interesting because there's a lot of people who listen to my podcast probably. If they watch one NASCAR race, it's Daytona, but they don't really have a sense of like the kind of work schedule that you and Shannon would have. So as specific as you can, and let's start with um, – Let's start. We're, we're taping this on a Wednesday, but let's start with the Monday where this podcast will be released, which is sort of speed uh, speed week at Daytona, or you know the lead up to Daytona. Um, what can you take me through your day to day as you lead up to ultimately be on the race broadcast on that Sunday? Sure, I always tell people covering NASCAR, it's not just a job; it's basically a lifestyle because it is part of your life every day. Because there's so much news. And even though I'm not on the road Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's still conference calls. There's still news coming out. You have to be listening to the program, Sirius XM, hearing what's happening and going on, the pulse. I'm watching Race Hub every night. And, you know, for next week for for uh, the Daytona 500, I'll be at the Westminster Dog Show, which is like the, the Super Bowl for dog shows Monday and Tuesday. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff happening in Daytona. So I need to make sure that over the weekend I'm watching what's happening there, taking notes. Monday night or Monday afternoon, I will have a conference call for the NASCAR Truck Series race because for the first time in my career, I have never covered a truck race, and I get to do that for the first time on Friday. So I have to learn a whole new crop of drivers and crew chiefs. So that's on my plate for next week. So that's happening on Monday. And then um, when I when I land literally in Daytona on Wednesday, you hit the ground running. It's running over to there's a big Fox production shoot at the airport hangar right there outside the track. So I want to go in there right away and just start talking to drivers who are over there, start getting the pulse on on the season and their car and what they're thinking. At that point, they will have already been on on track. So um, it is all information all the time when it comes to NASCAR. As you know, it has the shortest off season. It has the longest season. And um, you have to be up in the know on everyone. Even if people only care about maybe the, the top 12 or 15 drivers, you need to have nuggets 
and know the story on every person in that field, because especially at Daytona, like Shannon said, anybody could win this race. It's wide open, and you need to know something to tell people at home what's going on with this car that maybe nobody's heard of. Jamie, before I get to Shannon, can you tell me what the Saturday and Sunday, uh, the Saturday before the Daytona 500 is like, and then the morning of the race for you prior to the start of the race? Yes, absolutely. The Saturday before the Daytona 500, there is an Xfinity Series race. We have the final Cup Series practice, which is really important. It's the last systems check, as you'll as you could say. Everybody gets on track. Hopefully, they'll probably want to draft a little bit to make sure their cars are good in the draft because that's what we're going to be seeing on Sunday. They'll want to run by themselves just to make sure that their car feels fine. Um, and then there's other commitments that we always have. I have something to do with Toyota, something to do with Wendy's. There's appearances you have to make. So there's so many other things behind the scenes because, Richard, I, I mean, it is so different in NASCAR that we start with our Super Bowl. So you come in with so many different storylines, faces in new places, and um, and you kick, kick it off with a bang with our biggest race. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Okay, Shannon, your um, your week is going to be obviously a little bit different than Jamie's in that she obviously has her Westminster um, assignment that she has to do before she heads down there. And your job is just fundamentally different. You know, J- Jamie is on pit road. She's going to be in the, probably in the garages more than you. You have to host um, the, first of all, what's, you know, just sort of a massive event on that Sunday, but obviously before that you're going to be doing shows and, um, and you have a lot of responsibilities as well. So again, same question for you is just sort of on Daytona week, take me as, as specific as you want from that Monday through that Sunday. Yeah, I think I'm really lucky that I had the seven years in the garage, you know, alongside Jamie when we were at ESPN, because now being in the studio, I'm able to pull from from that experience of knowing what it's like race morning and and knowing what those garages are like and and knowing what uh, the energy is like at the racetrack. And we try really hard to kind of bring that um, to the fans at home. But uh, so I I host the Race Hub show. We, We actually came back on air last week live from Miami. Uh, during the Super Bowl of the NFL, uh, and we're on air this week, 6 o'clock. So we, my, my days off this season, the first half of the season when Fox has the, uh, the races, I'll have Wednesdays and Fridays off. So Monday, Tuesday, um, we show up at noon. We have production meetings. Uh, I get into makeup about 3 o'clock. We, we rehearse at 5, and then we go live at 6. Tuesdays, we also have meetings, phone meetings. <laughs> we have an Xfinity Series phone meeting, which lasts about a half hour. We have the cup phone meeting, which Jamie could last like up to 10 hours at some time. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding, <laughs> it, it, but it can, it can go for a really, really long time. There are a lot of voices um, on that, on that call. So that's on Tuesday. So I try to keep that on. I have my headphones on walking around the office, doing whatever I need to do to listen in on that. Cause I think it's really important that I know where Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy and Jamie Little and Vince Welch and Matt Yoakum and all of those guys, where their heads are going into the race. Because if we're not connected in the studio, then it's not going to make sense. We're all one team. Wednesdays, I'll have off. We will have a, a, a pre-race show meeting where we'll kind of go over ideas, uh, throw things out to Jeremy Minnell, who is our producer, who also works on the um, NFL side. He does a lot of the Peyton Manning, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, um, the Cooper Manning and, and the Gronk pieces. So he's extremely creative and talented. Um, and then Thursdays, we actually pre-tape our shows on Thursdays. So I'll show up there about 7.30 in the morning. We'll do our production meeting while I'm in hair and makeup. We'll pre-tape the show um, at about noon, and I'll get out at 1. Fridays are a day off, but obviously stuff is on the track, so you constantly have to have 
FS1 on to watch what's happening in practice, to watch what's happening um, in qualifying and all of those things. And for the Xfinity Series, uh, we'll get there early Saturday morning for the Xfinity Series pre-race, uh, pre-race uh, meeting, which we actually do remotely with the guys at the racetrack. So we can be in on that uh, hair and makeup. And then we do the pre-race hang out for the race, and, and then the same thing on Sunday. Uh, we'll show up for the meeting with those guys. Um, we'll be remote with the, with the folks in Daytona. Uh, we'll you know get in hair and makeup. We'll do our little production meeting, or I guess I should say our big production meeting. We'll rehearse, and then we'll go live. And, um, you know, and also, by the way, Richard, both Jamie and I are parents. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're booking, um, we're mommies. So we're booking doctor's appointments and, you know, scheduling lunches and doing things that, that I think I can speak for Jamie and saying that we still um, don't want to lose contact with being uh, sometimes the primary caregiver of our kids and, and doing those things and obviously helping our husbands out when we're on the road. Um, and um, I'm also training for an Ironman. So there's a lot going on, but I, I mean, I know Jamie really, really well, and, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I feel like you guys need the uh, Bradshaw Strahan assistance that helped them out with all this <laughs> I would uh, love an other stuff. I need, a, I need a wife is what I need. <laughs> You need to say, talk to Eric Shanks. He might be able to provide that. Fox has a lot of resources these days. Um, we, we will uh, we will get Shannon to your uh, athletic uh, endeavors because they're quite frankly insane for you know any person in the sports uh, media business. Um, but I want to stick with you. And again, this is not reflective, obviously, of your work, but it's the reality of the fact that you guys live in this eco space. There was a moment. Um, sort of a, a bit of an era in the early 2000s in particular where NASCAR viewership was massive. And like you were reading all these stories, it's the hottest sport out there. People really wanted to jump on it. So I looked up the Daytona 500 um, viewership in 2005. It was 19.3 million. Um, you know, that's essentially the NFL. That's an incredible number. Last year it was down to 9.17 million. Again, a lot of people watching still, but nothing like the early 2000s. Um, Shannon, do you have any thoughts on to why you think NASCAR is where it is in terms of at least television viewership interest? Oh, I think people consume their their sports differently, you know, and I think, I mean, obviously the Super Bowl, I think that what were the numbers close to 100 million people tuned into the yep. Super Bowl, and that's astronomical. It's insane to see those numbers. And, and there's no way that we can have this conversation and even compare to Sunday night, um, you know, at the end of the super, at the end of the NFL season. Um, but I think people consume their races differently. I think, I mean, we talk about it every year, the length of the season, the length of the races. Um, I, I, I think it all plays into it, right? People are doing different things with their times and NASCAR races are a huge commitment. If you're going to go to the race or even if you're going to watch it on TV, if it, it, they're, they're longer than, than other sports. Um, I don't think that you can compare apples to apples, particularly with like, you know, butts in the seat, because I think, uh, again, people are just consuming things differently. And back then, I don't think it's, I don't think any sport is going to be the way that it was back in the, you know, nineties. I mean, qualifying was sold out. Practices were sold out. I mean, it was, it was wild. I don't know the answer to it, but I do know that NASCAR 
is really active, which I, I appreciate the most in, in adjusting, right? I feel like every year they will make changes to try to make it better, whether it be the playoffs or the stages or, you know, now we're kind of contracting things and, and we're losing a couple of races in the season. They've talked about making schedule changes. We're doing a doubleheader in Pocono. And I think that that's the most important thing to, to kind of focus on is that they are actively trying to, to do things to I- improve those ratings. Uh, but I just, I think it all comes down to the way that people consume their sports. I mean, we, we do it on our phone. We look at Twitter, we look at, you know, you know, instant, instant, instant. And uh, NASCAR is a little bit more of an event. Jamie, do you have a thought on, um, on sort of just why the numbers, at least in terms of like the traditional television metrics have dropped over the last 15 years or so? Yeah, and and I agree with what Shannon said. I mean, it's just people like to look at the highlight reels, right? And that's what social media is. So to take out four hours on your of your Sunday to watch one event when you can just get the highlights wherever you are, I think that's led to it. I think that um, the ratings and how they follow them and, and track them online isn't up to par yet to see really truly how many people are still watching NASCAR. And they went through some growing pains. I mean, they went to the top, and like you said, the early 2000s, and and then slowly we start seeing the big names retire. Tony Stewart's gone. Carl Edwards is gone. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is gone. Jeff Gordon retired. Jimmy Johnson's retiring this year. That's hard. And when you go out and talk to people and say, oh, my gosh, I used to love NASCAR. I followed it all the time, but my guy retired, and I just didn't know who to root for anymore, so I kind of just lost interest. So that's been something NASCAR's really had to deal with the last seven, eight years is building up these young stars to make them the future superstars. And that doesn't happen overnight. We have some incredible young talent like Chase Elliott. We've got a few guys coming in, Christopher Bell, that are going to be great guys to root for, um, to really want to wrap your arms around. But you have to sell that to people. And on top of that, you have to get new fans. The fans of NASCAR are trending older, and it's hard to grasp these young kids who, by the way, they're not as interested in cars anymore. They don't even want to drive a car, let alone watch them race. So how do you get those people? How do you sell it to them to tell them how exciting NASCAR is, that they need to care, that they need to follow this driver for you know X, Y, and Z reasons? So I think that there's some awesome things NASCAR is doing to make it exciting, and um, and with esports and e racing leagues and all these things are bringing kids in. Hopefully, we will see that turn around and the ratings get better. Yeah, and whether you like them or not, Richard, I mean, like the barstool thing is a perfect example of what Jamie's talking about, right? I mean, like NASCAR is connected with barstools over the last couple of years, and they're bringing them to the racetrack. They're doing the the pizza challenge, whether you like them or not. That is the market that they're trying to target. So when I say like they're trying, they're actively searching for for ways to do that. That's a perfect example of it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Shannon, when did you meet Jamie? What is your first memory of her? Uh, my first memory of Jamie was when uh, ESPN had the press conference. That's it, right, Jamie? That was when we had the press yeah. conference. We didn't. Okay, so it was in Charlotte. Yeah, 2006. And I just remember, like, oh, my gosh, I was so, like, 
starstruck by her, right? Because I knew that she had done the Indianapolis stuff and she had been in the Fantastic Four. And I mean, she's gorgeous. And so I remember like meeting her and just like being so excited to introduce myself to her because I was as green as they come. I had very little experience on television and and zero experience really with, um, with uh, the NASCAR world. And, and so um, I just remember just, just like, being so excited to meet her and that was 2006 and my goodness you know it's funny Richard when you are kind of going through our resumes my heart just like starts getting so like I start getting really kind of emotional about it because I think about where we were god what 16 years ago 15 years ago Jamie and now to Mm -hmm. kind of think about all the things that we've done uh, both professionally but I think more importantly personally I mean Jamie and I have it's so unlike other sports, Richard, because when I'm working other sports, I am the only girl. And I know Jamie has said in the past that that's a role that she likes, but I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the, the time that we spent together was, was some of the most special and, um, and no one gets that in this industry to have a, another female to lean on, to cry to, to, to talk about being pregnant and talk about getting married and doing all of these things. And that's a really special bond that Jamie and I have that I, I don't take it for granted at all. Jamie, did you want to um, um, follow up on that? Absolutely. And and yes, she's exactly right. I mean, when I came in 2006, when we announced this NASCAR deal, I had already covered three Indy 500s by then and had done a lot of things in my career, but never did I work with another female. So coming in, I met Shannon and she was just this bubbly, just sweetheart of a girl, just took me under her wing. And she lived in Charlotte. She had done a little bit in the NASCAR world. I had done nothing. She had a show that she had done on speed and I, we just hit it off right away. We were just kindred spirits. And like she said, we kind of went through this journey together. There we were in our fire suits in 2007 doing our first NASCAR race together. Crazy. And the memory started, you know, and she was in my wedding. And we both ended up having two children. And, um, and then to come back to Fox together, we had parted ways, obviously, when I left and went to Fox. She was still at ESPN. And we always stayed in touch. But then when... Fox hired Shannon. I called all the bosses and I'm like, thank you so much. Get to have her back. You guys are going to love her. And, um, and it, it is really special because I don't care what you say when you're in a garage or you're on the sidelines and you're in a male dominated world, you relate to men and the world around you differently than a man does in the same job. It's just different. It's just the way it is. And when you have another female, you discuss things, you can talk about things that you wouldn't with a man. Yeah, I remember like coming, I remember coming home from a race one time, like I think it was Phoenix and I was like, I mean, I think I was like seven months pregnant and I'm in the backseat of the car, like laying down because I can like, I can't sit up anymore. And it was like, I started crying and I was like, what am I doing? I should be home. And Jamie's just like driving like, it's okay. It's okay. And I mean, I couldn't, I don't think, I don't think that's something that I could have done with men, right? Have that breakdown moment. That's just a natural part of like being in that process and and not being home. And so, yeah, we have a lot of those moments over the se- over the years. Nice. I'm glad you guys are are there for each other, Jamie. I, I want to ask because you've been um, part of NASCAR now for a while and sort of straight shot through. Um, and you're talking about sort of being a woman in a what is clearly still a male dominated um, industry. How, how would you if there was a if there was a woman who was um, in her uh, either early 20s or maybe even a college student who has a love of NASCAR, and, and I'm talking about a, a woman who wants to get into the field, how how would, how would open, how inviting would you say 
that process is in 2020. It's just, you know, there's certainly sexism that exists all throughout the sports media, but like you see in the NBA, a lot of women reporters, you certainly see a ton of women now, um, you know, on television in massive prominent roles, but I don't cover NASCAR on any kind of week to week or month to month basis. So I don't, I don't really know the dynamics in terms of, of women versus men reporters and media, but what would it be like for a young woman coming into the, into, into that industry right now? Well, I would say NASCAR is a big family. It is very family-oriented. When you walk through the garage, a lot of times you'll see a wife or somebody's girlfriend or even their kids playing, like during a practice time or before the race. I would say it's very welcoming. Um, I would also say that when you come in and you're a newbie and you're not known, you have to have thicker skin. I think that's just the nature of television, no matter who you are. You have to have a thicker skin. You have to be able to put up with stuff. Maybe people aren't going to say the most appropriate things at all times, but you can't take it literally. And if you are, then you shouldn't be in the sport. That's just the way that I look at it. You've got to, If you want to play with the big dogs, you've got to be a big dog, and it doesn't matter what your gender is. And I would say that... If you have that attitude that you're not coming in like, oh, I'm the female and, oh, it's just going to be different for me or I need to dress differently, then you are in the wrong line of thinking. You need to dress appropriately for the job. You need to have the attitude that anybody else in that position that's earned that position to be there is. And you need to make those relationships just like anybody. And it could be intimidating at times. But you have to stand up, you have to be strong, and you have to look at yourself like you do belong there. Because if you don't, you are going to get eaten up, and people will see through it. And I think that goes for any sport you cover. Uh, Shannon, did you want to answer that? I'd be interested in your answer. Yeah, I mean, I mentor several young ladies um, on the NFL side uh, from the teams. And have I have always, um, I, I maybe not always, right, but definitely um, try to be more, be more of a supportive woman. I think when I first started, there's always a little bit of insecurity that I think creates jealous moments or creates these moments. Uh, but certainly as I've moved up in my career, I've always, always tried to be supportive of women rather than to try to bring them down. I, I reach out to, to other women in this sport if they do something well. I reach out to them if something bad happens. I reach out to them just to see how they're doing. Uh, countless times I've done that, whether it be in, in football, basketball, or, you know, NASCAR. But for me, Richard, and, and listen, I mean, it's any industry, right? If you're a hard worker, that's going to shine through anything and people are going to take notice. And when I mentor young women, that is the quality that I look for, that, for in them. How hard do they work, right? I mean, is this something they really want? Uh, and if they do, I'm happy to help them. Um, but I think that there are a lot of people who can eliminate themselves from from sort of those conversations just based on their work ethic and, and how hard they really want to work. And, and I, I think that hard work is genderless. I've told people that so many times. And this is an industry that you can't be afraid of doing that. You're going to miss, you know, Christmases. You're going to miss Thanksgivings. You're going to miss weekends. Uh, you're going to miss your kids' birthdays. You're going to miss your husband's birthdays. You're going to miss family functions. You're going to miss all of those things. And it's okay if you're not prepared to do that. But, I mean, that's sort of the sacrifice that all of us have to go through to do that. And I think hard work is the biggest underlying um, common denominator for anybody who makes it in this business or, or any other business. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. 
Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Shannon, I want to stick with you. So many people who I've talked to who have uh, went from one sport to the NFL, they're kind of blown away, one, by the bigness of the NFL, and two, at least in someone in your position, like the access that they can receive as a member of a broadcast crew from, you know, from production meetings, et cetera. I just, I'm, I'm curious about what your experience has been um, being on the sidelines of the NFL. I know you had, co- you know, you did major college football. You've obviously done major NASCAR, but you know, the NFL is the biggest, biggest sport in North America. And what was it like being part of that circus? You know, I, so I come from a sport that has the most access ever. I mean, you can walk into Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson's hauler on a Sunday morning before the race and talk to them about their car. So I'm I'm used to that access. Um, as far as the NFL is concerned, yeah, the pre-race meetings, practice, I love going to practice. I think it's incredible to see those those guys out there, you know, on a Friday um, going through drills and, and working on things. Uh, I also think there's a great uh, amount of responsibility when it comes to those things because obviously the trust from the coaches and the trust from the organizations that if you see something and they ask you, hey, can you – can you hold that until whenever? Can you do this? Or uh, things that we say in production meetings, you can't go tweeting out. Um, I, you know, I've had college coaches uh, come up to me the morning of and, and tell me whether if their if their quarterback is going to be starting or not. Those are tough questions, right? Like this 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 past year, you know, I had to ask, uh, you know, hey, for the last game of the season, any chance we're going to see Eli Manning come out in the last game? I know he had his walk off win. I know all of that stuff happened, but we're at home. They're playing the Eagles. Is there any chance that we'll see him? And I mean, there was a, a tense moment where it was kind of like, the, I didn't know if I had asked the right question or not. And I even asked my producer afterwards, like, is that a question I should have asked? You know, I, I felt like maybe, maybe I could have like rubbed him the wrong way or whatever. He's like, no, we needed to know. And I just told him, I said, hey, listen, if there's any chance he's going to go in, maybe just let me know at halftime or, or whatever. Obviously, he didn't go into the game. But those are questions and, and the responsibility that I think that you have um, in those meetings, but the access to me, like my bit, my busiest time of the weekend is the Sundays from like 1130 to 1230. When those guys come out onto the field and they're just walking around in their regular clothes and they're going through warmups. But it's also like kind of, I, I don't want to use the word intimidating, right? But you're, you have to feel it out, right? Because there are some guys who have specific routines that they go through and they don't want to be bothered, right? They don't want to talk to anyone. They're in their zone. They're already doing their thing. And so I think over the years, thankfully now being three years into it, I've built some of those relationships that allow me to walk up to some of those guys and feel more comfortable with kind of like, hey, can I, can I chat with you for a quick second? Um, but yeah, that access is, is pretty cool. And then I don't know, this past year was one of my favorite moments from this past year as we were working a Cardinals game. And I wanted to try to catch up with Larry Fitzgerald before the game, didn't have a chance. And so during the game, Larry comes over and gives me a big bear hug. It's like fourth and one and he comes running off the field and he gives me a big bear hug on the sideline. Now that's never happened to me before, but I was like, you know what, if it's going to happen with anyone, I'm totally okay that it's Larry. And I, you know, when I was younger, I would have probably like freaked out and been like, Oh, this is inappropriate. I, I probably shouldn't be getting a hug. But I was like, you know what? I just hugged him back and, um, and they put it on air. And it was like a funny moment. Uh, so, yeah, the access is pretty cool because, like you said, it is, it is the NFL, right? These guys are superstars, and, and you can feel that. Jamie, um, speaking of the NFL, 
You um, are now part of the Westminster Dog Show, the, essentially the NFL of, uh, of all dog events. Um, you, uh, you also obviously were, uh, I don't know why I keep saying obviously, you debuted as a reporter um, on the a e Network new show, America's Top Dog. So I'm sure one can do an entire podcast on what that world is like. I mean, they've done movies on it and documentaries on it. But um, are you enjoying yourself in this uh uh, in in this in this new assignment, because I I do know, <clears throat> at least um, anecdotally and just sort of uh, you know even just reading stories about this, the people who watch the Westminster Dog Show or the people who are into stuff like America's Talk Dogs, they are as loyal. I'm sorry, they are as passionate and crazy about that stuff as NASCAR fans are about their sport. Well, that's probably why I love it so much. That is, um, aside from racing, dogs are my true passion. I absolutely love it. And I'm here and I'm on this assignment because I begged my bosses since I signed with Fox to please let me do it. Problem is, it, it lands on the first weekend of Daytona. So they had to make some adjustments to let me do it last year. But um, dogs are truly my passion. If you follow me, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm a NASCAR reporter, but I'm also a dog freak. So anything I can do, I jump on it. But and I want to I want to mention one thing too. You know, Shannon has always been a lover of all sports. Me, I fell into racing because I absolutely loved it. From being a kid, there was a sense of uh, the smell, the feeling when I rode a dirt bike that I fell in love with it, and that made me want to um, be part of it and share stories. And then I found my calling as a broadcaster and as a reporter, and and that's why I've stuck to motorsports and I made my brand only in motorsports my entire career, and it's suited me quite well. And now that I've been there a while, I'm able to branch out and start showing what I, you know, other passions that I have and things that I want to share. And that's in the dog world. And Westminster is, it's the buttoned up world. It's fancy. I'm wearing like cocktail dresses, reporting on dogs. It's incredible. It's like 3000 dogs. If you love it, it's like the perfect thing. Um, But it's, there's a lot of stress because as we talked about earlier, you're covering an event that has been around this. I believe Westminster has been around for like 125, 130 years. The history that you have to know, you have to respect. It's all about the lineage of the different breeds. And there's a lot of respect, a lot of eyeballs watching you that know a lot more about dogs than I do. So you have to take that to heart and it's not just going out and covering fun dogs and laughing. It's just, it's so much more than that. Whereas America's top dog is police and they're working canines that are out protecting us in the streets. They're competing against each other on an American Ninja Warrior style course. Um, and that's a whole different level of dog and what they're capable of. And, and that brings in law enforcement, which is something else I'm hugely compassionate about. And, um, and I love to show that to, to people. So it's been, these are all totally different assignments and they're all coming together in one week, Daytona 500 week. I'll be doing all of those shows across three different networks. So I'm pretty darn lucky. Since she didn't bring it up, Richard, I'm going to brag on her for a second. She, uh, like as Jamie and I have gotten older, you know, we've had this conversation so many times about kind of like giving back and things that we want to do that, that fills like our heart cup. And uh, she, I mean, she's amazing. So she raises all this money every year for, for shelter dogs and we'll be on the road or she'll be on the road and she'll be like, I'll be like, what'd you do this morning? As like I slept or went for a run and she like, will go and like visit shelters and, and bring like care packages for the dogs at the shelters in all these different cities and stuff. And so it's something that not only means something to her just because she's a lover of dogs, but she has given back so 
so much to these shelters and to go play with the dogs and just spend like an hour with them and, and just give them so much love. So I'm super proud of her for, for finding and connecting with that and, and obviously for being able to do these things because it, I know how much it means to her. No, oh, thanks, Jim. What, uh, when do you, uh, Jimmy, when do you, like, when do you leave the dog uh, show assignment to get to Daytona? So I will leave, yeah, Wednesday morning before the 500. I will um, get on a plane because our show goes late. We do best of show at like 10 or 11 uh, Tuesday night. So I'll land in Daytona. And uh, like I said, that it's, it's all racing. I put the dog show behind me and it is focused on, um, on the NASCAR races coming up. And then we have the dual races. That's a lot of fun. Those are the qualifying races for the 500. So that'll be my first on air on Thursday night. Not to mention, Richard, we've been off for like seven months from racing for NASCAR's um, side of uh, coverage as as far as I am, my role, Not me. Shannon's been on with Race Hub. <laughs> yeah, Shannon's been on with Race Hub with barely a break. But I haven't been on the sidelines since last um, June. So it's like all of a sudden you jump in and, and you're jumping in the deep end. Like, okay, here's Daytona 500. You better get all that rust off and be ready to rock. You should just basically, Jamie, you should just like run on Shannon's set, like just to do a cameo, just so you can get your, you know, tele- a quick television uh um, shot so people remember you. Shannon and I are always begging, can we co-host? Yeah. Let me in. Let, <laughs> let me come to Charlotte. <laughs> right. Yeah, but this week, but this week, Jamie, you're, I mean, you know, you're, you might as well be running for president. You're basically on every network for, for uh, you know, for, for an entire week, which is yeah. great. And, you know, and that is something unique that Fox does. They are so good about allowing us to take other opportunities, mm-hmm. even if it's a competing network. They allow it. It's yeah, Fox is good at that. Passionate. Yeah, right. and I've been with other. Yeah, networks. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but they, you know, Strahan for um, uh, you know ABC uh, Disney property and still mm-hmm. does his Fox stuff. But Fo- yeah, historically, uh, um, Aaron Andrews Dancing with the Stars. Fox has always yep. been good. That is one thing I, um, I think, um, and I think very smartly. Actually, your management has always sort of understood that to give your people opportunities. One. It makes them happier employers, better employees. But two, it doesn't hurt you as a network. It actually am- just amplifies that talent more so more people know them. So I actually have always thought that was a smart strategy and never really understood where some other networks were so restrictive with their talent. So, yeah, on that one, good on Fox. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, for that. Yeah. I mean, Shine, you got to take care of some of those horrible FS1 shows. But that's – whatever. That's another conversation for another day. All right. So, Shannon. Let's 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 focus. Let's get positive, positive. Here, Shannon. You're training for the famed Kona, Kona triathlon. I also read not too long ago. Jamie, do you know this? That Shannon has Shannon had a tradition of running stairs whenever she was at college football games. Oh, running the yeah. stairs of like Wisconsin, Tennessee. That's I, I read that uh, when I was doing a little bit of research on her. That's unbelievable. She's ran in some incredibly cool thirty-five places. different yes. locations. Not to 35. mention not to mention very, physically taxing. Yeah, thirty-five different locations. It started back in like 2014. Uh, Brock Heward, who was my analyst at the time, uh, with Joe Tessitore, actually, we were doing the. Um, a Tennessee game. And he just looked at me and he's like, Hey, do you want to run stairs? And I had never really thought about doing it. And I'm like, sure. So I did it. And, and honestly, like I have a list going, I've run, you know, college, uh, NFL, college basketball stadiums. Um, every morning I would get out there and do it. I'll tell you my favorite one was Penn state. It was uh, a Friday morning, about seven thirty in the morning. It was 35 degrees outside, but I was like, I don't care how cold it is. I'm doing it. And I was at the, the highest point at Penn state and there was zero, human beings besides me in the entire stadium 
And it was one of those things where you're just like, wow. You know, first of all, you think about the access. You talk about access, right? Who has access to a stadium when there's nobody in there um, on a Friday morning? And then to be able to do that. So it's always been something kind of cool that I've done. All right, Chad. Do you want to um, give the listeners just a sense of like what kind of training regimen you have to uh, uh, you're embarking on right now to run the most famous triathlon that's out there? So excited! So uh, yeah, I raised I raised thirty thousand dollars last year for the Ironman Foundation through my um, auction that I do every year, and so that's sort of the fundraising minimum to get into Kona, and so I was able to to get my bid for Kona. And uh, which is the World Championships for Ironman. It's the Super Bowl of Ironman that's in Hawaii. It's the toughest race because of the island temperatures and the wind and all of this stuff. I have never done a full Ironman. I trained for one, but unfortunately, uh, the event was canceled two weeks before the event because of Hurricane Michael. It was in it was in the, the Panama City area. Um, and so I'm really nervous, you know, I, I'm embarking on a huge undertaking, not, I mean, it's, it's, it's physically taxing, it's mentally taxing, it takes me away from my kids. I went to some really dark places when I was training for my, for my Ironman a couple of years ago. Um, and it, it's hard, it's hard to sit on a bike for seven hours on a Friday and, and not let your mind wander and ask you why you're doing this. Um, but I am so excited to be out there. And some of the people that I've met along the way during my Ironman journey, they keep me on pace. I mean, I'm talking people in wheelchairs or people fighting cancer or, you know, brothers pulling, you know, other brothers who, who are unable to compete themselves. And it's, it's just incredible, the human beings that I've met along the way. And, and they really kind of keep me going. Jamie, I feel like it'd be awesome if you could actually cover this. Like you're like, oh my god, you know, that would be great. In, like, uh, <laughs> she could be a transition. Wouldn't that be fun? You know, go Shannon. Yeah, and <laughs> I would probably be on the sidelines with the beer in one hand and my phone in the other. Like, go Shannon. That's so funny. You're in a convertible, like next to her, waving to her, like just chilling out in the back, That's saying, so funny. "You're really running fast, Shannon. Great work here." My my motto when I'm like running, people always ask me like about like winning or beating this time or whatever. I'm like. Beer tent, not medical tent. That's where I want to be after the race. So I'm just going to go out and enjoy myself. I have priorities, people. <laughs> but that, no, in all honesty, Shannon, I mean, what you're training for is just like, it's really even just sort of hard to process. Like the, um, you know, I remember some of like seeing the end of uh, Conan, like, uh, you know, people sort of just like crashing through that finish line after just going through yep. what just seems inconceivable. So, uh, um that's that's incredible, and best of luck to Thank you. I have you. no doubt that, that you'll be able to pull pull it off. Maybe we'll do a pre-interview before Kona or right after, and I can tell you how it went. Yeah, Shannon's ability to suffer for hours on end is unbelievable. Like, this girl oh, has, like, a the strongest mental capacity. Yeah, well, I am, too, and I wouldn't suffer like you. I would not train for more than an hour a day. You're just, um, what she does, she's just, she's, like, superhuman. <laughs> Jamie, the other day I shoveled in uh, seven degree weather. Does that count as like a kind of an incredible <laughs> achievement as Shannon is about to? And that probably uh, got your heart rate up a little bit. <laughs> That's true, and I like it. Where I'm, you're Jamie. You're in Indianapolis, I think, right? Or I'm in Toronto. Shannon, where where am I talking to you today? Charlotte. I live in Charlotte. I feel like Shannon. Jamie, I got to be honest. I think Shannon wins the weather. Yeah, it's like seven yeah. today, so we're we're in good shape. All right, listen. I have nothing else for you two. Is there anything else you would like to add before uh, before I let you go on what? Uh, you know, will be an incredibly busy two weeks for both of you. 
No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. A busy 10 months. I mean, that's a crazy thing, Richard, is like the NASCAR season is we start now and we don't end till Thanksgiving. And uh, so when you talk about like those marathon things, right, it's uh, it's it's a long one. It, it is a very, very long one. But it's awesome to go on this journey and, and see how it kind of things that we're talking about right now are not the things that we're going to be talking about at the end of the year. Yeah. And, and Richard, I think it's interesting. A lot of young girls I know talk to me and Shannon and, and they wonder, is it possible to have it all? Can you have a career like this that takes you away from home? And I think that we're both examples that you can have it all. And we might make it look easy at times, but it sure as heck isn't. I mean, balancing everything. I think the reason we're both so into fitness is it helps balance you mentally because it pulls you in so many directions. I wouldn't change a thing, but I also would say that it takes a lot of work, but you can have it all. You can have a family and a loving husband and a career that you love so much that you wouldn't give up for anything. No, that's a good, that's a good way to end on that. All right. Jamie Little, as I mentioned, has been with uh, Fox's NASCAR coverage um, for uh, a number of years now, and you'll see her on um, pit road for the NASCAR cup series nascar xfinity series as she mentioned she has an incredibly busy week coming up with the westminster dog show she does america's top dog on a and e as well and you'll see her pretty much throughout the nascar season um in the garage and on the pit with fox shannon spake um is as i mentioned earlier the host of fox's nascar race coverage she handles all the anchor duties for the nascar cup series nascar xfinity series she has uh she co-hosts nascar race hub on fs1 in addition to that she's part of fox's nfl coverage um where she's a sideline reporter on one of their crews and um as she mentioned by the end of the podcast she's training for seriously like one of the most unbelievable athletic achievements i think anybody can do um who is a uh who is a sort of a, an athlete out there all right shannon and jamie i always appreciate uh your time we'll continue to do this every couple of years until all of us are in our 80s i feel like <laughs> oh, that would be a good podcast to do. we'll do it Deal. from the nursing home yeah uh and, I, and trust me jamie will still be doing the westminster dog show though. it won't matter and i'll be out there running my triathlons with my walker <laughs> You what? That's right. Your time might be low, but you'll be out there. All right. In all seriousness, Shannon and Jamie, I always enjoy talking to you guys and I have great admiration for your careers. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. All right. Back in the studio, my thanks to Jamie and Shannon. They're always uh, so much fun to talk to and clearly uh, have great, uh, uh, a great love and friendship for each other. Um, so that seemed to, I think, come across pretty well. Um, if you liked, uh, or if you like these kind of conversations, please check out the archives. Prior to this uh, podcast, we had a uh, covering Kobe Bryant episode with Howard Beck of Bleacher Report and Tim Kawakami of The Athletic and what it was like to sort of cover Bryant, uh, the full Kobe Bryant, and all the context there during his career. Before that, the producer and director of the Super Bowl, Richie Zients and Rich Russo, on how that broadcast is put together. Before that, Jalen Rose and Adam Amin. Jim Ross, the voice of uh, one of the great voices of wrestling. Head back to the archives of the Sports Media with Richard Deitch page, and um, hopefully you'll find something you like. Please leave us a review. A five-star review would be great, and some comments, because that's how this podcast was made. All right, thanks to everybody. Cadence 13, from uh, Chris Corcoran to Spencer Brown and John McDermott to Sean Cherry and Patrick Antonetti, of course, for producing this. This is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.